When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we play the waiting game. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and this week we're going to have to do something different for God knows how many other weeks thereafter because... The hot topic in football is that there's no football due to the coronavirus and therefore we're going to discuss all the potential ramifications, the if, buts, maybes, when will football return, I have no idea, nor does Cole, nor does Drew, but let's get cracking because we've once again got a full house and that means leading the line this week and wearing the captain's armband is Cole. So Cole, how have you been since we last spoke? Uh, not too bad, thanks Dan. A bit of a crazy situation we find ourselves in and one I'm sure we'll... Uh delve into in the next sort of 45 minutes or so but other than that not too bad thanks mate top man of course i cannot forget your strike partner either that means the supply line will be coming from drew and drew how have you been in this past week i'll admit i don't think i've ever been more productive in my life without any football going on i find myself finding things to do which is very strange um it's been an odd time but happy to be back talking about all the uh, news and updates with you guys this week Okay, before we do all that, let's do the social media bits first. Ours will be talking to the Abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy1983. Also, the podcast has its own account, which is at RealFootballPods. If you want to become a shareholder, and yes, we've got to keep you shareholders happy with piping hot content, even though there's no football. So if you want to join our club, all you need to do is follow and join our very elite members club. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. If you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And if you like it, leave a review so we move up the league table. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. Right then, there's no football, but let's go live. Where should we go first? Let's go to that UEFA meeting, which happened, I guess, a couple of hours ago. So it's very nice of them to get it done before the recording of this show. I know they're big fans of UEFA, so cheers for uh, getting it all scheduled. <laughs> and uh, Cole, I guess it's no surprise to absolutely anyone that Euro 2020 now becomes Euro 2021. Yeah, I think it's probably the best move, isn't it? You know, as much as it's disappointing, I think we were all looking to that summer tournament and, you know, there'd be people who were planning to go to games. You know, I was going to look to try and go and be like maybe like my first international tournament. So so it is disappointing for us all. But I think in light of what's happening um, and the fact that possibly this move will now allow us to hopefully, you know, finish the seasons that we're in and kind of, you know, make sure that the season doesn't go to waste, then it, it was the logical step. And I think one that will look back and say, yo, yep, yeah, that was the right move. Uh, and, you know, well done to everybody who's come to a sensible decision. I guess, Drew, the issue, the underlying issue of all of this would be that because of the nature of how Euro 2020 was being hosted, that has just got, well, I don't know, it's ripe for disaster, really, isn't it? You know, we're already in a crisis mode anyway. But if you can imagine the transient traffic of football fans going from 12 cities around Europe. I mean, it's just a no-brainer that it couldn't go on. 
Yeah, I mean, there was absolutely no way they were even going to let people travel. I mean, I was just reading an article an hour ago before we started recording about Man United fans that went to Lask last week, and they had you know, their flight was canceled, and they were trying to escape essentially to get back to to the UK. And so, you know, even if somehow they wanted to try and force the Euros through this summer, there was no way it was going to happen, you know, successfully. There's no way it was going to happen efficiently or anything like that. And everyone was calling for the Euros to get canceled. There was this huge prioritization, I think, of leagues over international tournaments for this coming summer. Um, And so I, I don't think it's a surprise whatsoever that UEFA decided to postpone the Euros. Um, kind of like Carl mentioned, I think that's what a lot of people wanted. And especially if you're going to put the leagues forward, then it probably was necessary to have the Euros moved. I guess, Carl, if we look at domestic shores or domestic for you and I, it's always going to be incredibly harsh on Liverpool what happens next. Now, whether that becomes them winning the title, but then people will go, oh, well, you know, you've won it after 29 matches. They always have an asterisk about them. If the season's void, they're incredible unbeaten run gets wiped from the history book. So there's no perfect solution, but does pushing the Euros back at least give us some viability of getting this over and done with come, I don't know, July, August? Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I don't think anyone really wanted to avoid the season, did they? You know, as much as it, as, as funny as it would have been, you know, given... especially I know someone at West United Ham that wanted to avoid the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were certain clubs who couldn't <laughs> avoid in the season, wasn't there? And, you know, everyone as they were next season. But I think, you know, the realistic thing is we all would want to see this season finish, wouldn't we? And, and obviously, you know, it, it would have been such a shame if all that hard work and, and the phenomenal efforts that Liverpool had put in this season suddenly, you know, didn't show what it should do at the end. Because as much as we can all put fan rivalry aside, you have to admire what that club has done and the way they've gone about it. So to suddenly have that tarnish would have been a real shame. Um, funny, but a shame. So I think if, if we cancel this Euros, move it, and then, you know, say we can pick the season up again, say maybe April, May time, play it to its finish. I think, you know, not only Premier League, but the knock-on effect that that has to all clubs in all divisions is huge, isn't it? You know, those that are looking for promotions, those that are trying to survive to stay up, then, you know, it's the right thing. And it's the thing that I think really we all want to see, you know. Um, so I think it's good. Um, because, like I say, Liverpool were denied what is, in theory, is rightly theirs right now. Just because of this, I think it'd be a massive shame. I guess, Drew, there's one sort of bigger issue in the fact that no one really knows how this pans out and how it ends in terms of time scale. So we're all sort of hoping that it blows over May, June to the point where you can actually get active again, as Cole just alluded to. But what if it doesn't? What if this rolls on far too long? At that point... Do you just have to stop the season? And then in that case, is it a a pause and then you hand out the prizes or is it a void? What do you do in that scenario? What I think is going to happen is you're going to have a delay and they're just going to wait and then restart, whether that comes this summer, September, even later than that. That's what I think is going to happen. What I would like to see is I either want to see them scrap everything and void it or keep everything and and maybe you have to wait and play on that's fine what i don't want to see is what i think is going to happen i don't want to see them whether they wait until the summer or later if necessary regardless of that i don't want to see teams given a title 
but then no teams relegated. I think if you're going to keep everything and recognize the results, then you recognize all of them. You don't recognize only the ones you want, such as, let's say, a Liverpool title, but then you don't recognize Norwich for you know to, to get relegated. So I don't want to see this kind of buffet style of picking the good and leaving the bad. Um, I, again, I think that they're going to try and do everything they can to play out the season, even if they have to wait until September or even longer. That's what I think is going to happen. I mean, Carl, when we talk of all this uncertainty... I think Drew's absolutely right in the sense that you can't just give one prize and say, you know, well, you've become champions after an unfinished season, but then how do you deal with relegation? How do you deal with the Champions League positions? It's almost like you need one absolute or one other absolute. And this sort of halfway house that people have been posing could be absolute, well, could just blow football apart in the sense of what happens next. I think the only way that would have worked, Dan, is if every team has played the same amount of games. Yeah, good point. And, and that possibly comes in all, all divisions. You know, if every league right now, every team had played 28 or 30 games, and you could then possibly go, well, do you know what? You've all had the same amount of games. So if we're going to end the season right now, we could say at the end of the day, no one's had an advantage, no one's played two more games, or you haven't had a game in hand that could possibly have saved you. You've all played 30 games, and we're going to take the final standings as they are. Um, but we're not in that situation. So I do think it's right that you know we try to get some into this eventually. And if, if it just takes a month or two delay to get up and running again, then it is the right way to do it. Because as you say, there's no fair way. You know, the, the, you can see the... the aggravation that comes if suddenly you hand out a title to Liverpool but no relegation for this team or you know you, you promote Walt Leeds and West Brom Preston North End might go well hold on a minute we're in the playoffs what, what's, what's going on we could be we could have been in the Premier League no one would be happy and I think those ramifications and that kind of resentment that could come from that would last for so long that you know it, it's just you don't want to go down that road at all. Oh, yeah. If I could real quick, I think yeah. the most glaring example is th this isn't in the UK, but in La Liga, if they were to do this buffet style, right, award a champion but not relegate, you get into major problems because right now Barcelona is two points above Real Madrid. During the season, Mallorca, who is in a relegation spot, they lost to Barcelona, but they beat Real Madrid. So... How do you do that? If Mallorca's results don't count for themselves, right, they're not going to get relegated. How can it count for Barcelona and Real Madrid? Because if those results don't count, theoretically, you take away three points from Barcelona. Well, now Real Madrid is in front. And are, Bar are Barcelona fans really going to accept that? So I, like Carl mentioned, I think if you try and, and pick winners but not relegate, you get into all these different caveats and all these scenarios, which it becomes a headache, of course. But I just think it's trying to have your cake and eat it, too. It's trying to make everyone happy. And I think in a situation like this, you can't do that. You really are going to piss off people regardless of any decision you make. And so for, for the people at UEFA and at the FAs that are way smarter than I am, I hope they don't try and just make everyone happy because exactly like Carl said, they're not going to be able to. I think it's good intentions. But, of course, the results are going to be absurd if they try and do that. Yeah, I mean, I think the optimist in everyone is hoping that it's just this three-week delay. But, you know, you look at the way the world is imploding around us in double-quick time. You know, you sort of 
you just look at the headlines and all that and you think how on earth can they just resume football in three weeks like especially in England because it's meant to be getting worse before it gets better like and you just think like I can't see that happening so I guess the danger I, I think is... one of the interesting fi- sorry Dan I know one of the interesting things they said as well today and that you kind of don't even think about with all this is that there are some clubs at the moment that are training and there are some clubs who are not training. Yeah, great point. So as they were saying, when you resume the season suddenly, like right now, Spurs and Man United players are all training, whereas Arsenal players and are, are in quarantine. So and, and Chelsea, don't forget, yeah, so, don't forget the boys in blue. <laughs> exactly. So when you start, if you start the season, you could suddenly find you're in a situation where Spurs and Man United are going to hit the ground running because as a squad, they've been training, keeping fit. Whereas, you know, Chelsea players, Arsenal players, those teams that are in quarantine right now and they're self-isolating, haven't had the chance to get their fitness where it should be. So suddenly you start the season again and before you know it, one club has got an advantage because they've been training, another hasn't. There's all those little things we have to think about as well, which, you know, teams will then moan about that, won't they? Yeah, of course. I mean, also it's a case of, Drew, do you say to yourself, let's say football is able to go ahead 1st of May. Let's just pick that date for um sake of this argument. But you will need to give everyone a fair period of pre-season, inverted commas. Does that mean that the actual season goes again in June the 1st because then everyone can get back up to shape? Or do you hit the, the play button May 1st and have the sort of disadvantages that Carl's just alluded to? Well, I think what they're going to do is just hit play and we go because I don't think they can afford the time especially if trying to cram in the end of the season. Because don't forget, you're going to have to leave time for for Champions League, most likely as well. So I I think you're going to have the leagues and FAs say, you know what, sorry, if you're not fit, your players are at risk for injury, which is unfortunate because obviously I think that's another concern is, you know, uh, the the fairness aspect of of course, we, we all want things to be fair, I think. But even beyond that, um, trying to have... I mean, imagine this. Imagine if Liverpool comes back after this break, and even if they have been training, right? If they're not in top form, and heaven forbid somehow they lost the league in in the final 10 or 9 games of the season, could you imagine how livid their fans would be and how much Liverpool would be be complaining about, oh, well, this break was a disadvantage and it wasn't fair? So, I mean, I I think, again, no matter what you do, you're going to have these concerns, um... And if they start the league right away on, on May 1st or, or whenever that happens to be, I think you're going to have a lot of teams very cautious about players getting injured because I think that's going to be a, a real concern for them. And, Cole, if there is this break that we're sort of, well, we're amongst it at the moment, but if it goes on to say, I don't know, again, May the 1st, does that mean that we conclude this season and you literally just roll into the next one? And if it does, what happens to the transfer window? What happens to players' contracts? Because surely you might have a period where the season's still going, but players could, you know, quite easily not be registered anymore. I guess short-term contracts, a sort of buffer period. What do we do there? Yeah, I mean, I mean that is an interesting theory, isn't it? You know, you would have to assume that when this, when they finally play this season out, there'll need to be at least, you've got to say, at least four weeks possibly where teams can have a kind of break get themselves together again and then kind of have some form of small transfer window that opens up. But as you rightly say, there'll be players whose contracts are coming up for renewal and you probably have the difficult situation where there'll be some players who weren't going to be offered a contract by a club they're with now. And all of a sudden, due to this, the club say, well, actually, we we, we want to offer you a little small extension. And the player goes, no, I don't think so. You didn't want me. 
you know, a couple a month or so ago, you didn't want me. Now all of a sudden you want me. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not playing ball. So as you say, there, there's such massive ramifications in everything that happens here. And obviously, the longer this delay goes on, which, you know, I, I don't think we'll be back up and running by April, that's for sure. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think all those contract things, that they are going to be massive headaches that clubs, they're just, this is unprecedented, isn't it? So you won't know where you stand, but no, some players might just say, oh, I'm not signing an extension. And as you say, before the season ends, you've got free agents there that are able to be picked up. Very bizarre. Yes, I mean it's mind blowing, really. But Drew, let's say this season does drag on longer than expected, or the actual the lack of football, shall we say? At what point do the the sorry, at what point do the governing bodies have to say this ain't going to come to a conclusion? Because if you now consider that Euros hasn't been cancelled outright, that's a year later, so they still now have to work into the parameters of a usual season because they can't leave it too long. Because then obviously then that has the knock on effect for Euro twenty twenty one. So at what point? What's the sort of finite date where they say, sorry, we just have to sort of scrap that and we go into 2021 as hopefully as normal? I don't think they will because I think there's too much money at stake. I think the leagues and FAs, they're going to find a way to force the end of a, a conclusion to this season because they have TV broadcast money. They have obviously gate revenue they want to make, sponsorships. And because if the season doesn't play out, if those games never take place, you know, they have to return the money, I guess, or they just never get paid on it. But obviously, they still have wages to, to pay and, and, you know, huge wages for some clubs. Um, or, if, or if you look at, you know, even lower leagues, like take the championship or even farther down where they really have, you know, gate revenue is a bigger percentage of of uh, their overall revenue. I think they're going to have to force a way to, the, to end the season. And regardless of how long that takes, obviously, they need cash flow in the interim. Um, but I, I don't think there is a point where they're going to say, you know what, we just scrapped this season. I think they will put next season on hold, um, it, even if that is the Wayne Rooney scenario uh, that he proposed. And I think it was the Times about trying to align with the Qatar 2022 World Cup at this point anyways now. Um, I, I think they're going to make this happen. You know, by hook or by crook, they're going to find a way. And maybe that includes eliminating at least temporarily, which will probably become permanent, the League Cup, even if that means, you know, a season without the FA Cup and then, of course, the respective cups in, in other countries, they're going to find a way to finish the season because I think there's too much money at stake. So I, I don't think there's a point where they, just, where they just say, all right, you know what, guys, sorry, lost cause, let's move on. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, you raised a very good point about the Carabao Cup. Cole, could this be the unofficial death knell for it? Because once you scrap it once or decide not to play it, it's already a competition which is very much maligned. There's not really going to be much of a clamour to revive it in any shape or form, is there? Yeah, I think so. I think, like you say, I, I actually think there's probably, you know, a lot of people looking for the very first excuse they can find to scrap this tournament as it is. So this might be the perfect thing for those people that's come up where we can say, well, hold on, if we want to get next season in and fit it in with the Euros, that scrap this tournament for a start and that frees up a bunch of midweeks and, you know, a, a final, a, a weekend final date that league games can be played in. And as Drew even said there, you could even see a possibility of an FA Cup being postponed for a season, which again then starts freeing up more and more weekends for league matches. Um, the FA Cup, I would see being, you know, brought back in after that one season, whereas the League Cup, I, I seriously do think this would be the chance people have been looking for to say, do you know what? 
let's get rid of this, let's scrap it. Um, as you say, it's a you know it's a, a competition that most of the big sides don't want to take seriously anyway. So here's the perfect opportunity to get rid of it, and you wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, Drew, can you see the FA Cup being paused in the sense that, you know, one season, that would obviously come back, though, because there's so much tradition regarding the FA Cup. There's no way that that could be scrapped forever. Yeah, I, I think it could happen because, again, I think the prioritization is all about the leagues right now. I mean, more than anything, more than, you know, international tournaments and then certainly more than domestic cups. So I think the FA Cup could take it. And, you know, to a certain degree right now, I, I don't want to say clubs don't take it seriously because because that's not true but definitely in the earlier rounds you know premier league sides or, or maybe even some championship sides you know rotate a lot through it so i think that would be something that you know the fa would probably be willing to compromise as well because you know as as their connections to the premier league they would want the premier league probably to finish as well um so so i i, I really do think that's going to be a very likely scenario i mean most people, I, I believe uh, Jermaine Genus was also calling for, you know, the, the Cups to be scrapped or, or postponed uh, during these times. So I think a lot of people are looking at that. And I do think ultimately that's going to be the decision that Cups are put on hold, either temporarily or maybe in the League Cup case, you know, permanently. And Carl, of course, there's going to be a knock-on for the Champions League and Europa League. UEFA will obviously want to try and get it sorted this season, whenever that ends. And one suggestion is that trimming the competition to the quarters and the semis being one leg and then perhaps hosting everything from that stage onwards at the final venue, which I believe is Istanbul. So I guess it would be like a European FA Cup. Would that get the green light from you? Yeah, I, th I think it would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Because it would certainly throw those games into a, you know, you'd certainly see exciting games, wouldn't you? If they're one-off knockout um, games rather than the two legs, you know, home and away. Um, it, and if it helped get this season over quickly and you find a winner for that tournament, then, yeah, I could certainly be up for that and certainly see that, you know, that would be one way that you could at least get some excitement going and, you know, some build-up and anticipation. So I certainly wouldn't be against that. I mean, my preference is we all go down to Hackney Marshes and see him <laughs> play there, you know, on those sort of pitches. That, I think, would be really interesting. But I, I, I don't see any problem or... or it, it, if it's a neutral venue, then no team can really moan that they're losing that advantage of the home and away tie, can they? Well, that's true, isn't it? Because I guess if you did trim it, but still had it in a traditional sense of the FA Cup where home versus away teams, the integrity of the competition would be lost a little bit slightly. But I think concessions will have to be made. And Drew, will those concessions come from the fact that if it is held in Turkey, would that mean that Turkish fans are allowed to only watch the football? Would it be open to European travel or international travel? Would UEFA be prepared to play those showpiece events behind closed doors? Because let's be honest, if you try to watch any kind of football when a team's been punished, behind closed doors is a really tough watch. It just reduces it to a bona fide training exercise, really. So it'd be a pretty damp spectacle. But like I say, they're going to be keen to show everyone that the show must go on. So how can you see that bit playing out? Yeah, I, I don't think they put it behind closed doors because if if... If they're going to play it, I think they're going to play it full out. And even if that is reduced, right, to, to one-legged ties in the quarters and semis. But I don't think they're going to play anything behind closed doors to finish out the season. Everything's stopped now anyways. So, you know, what does it matter if, if we start up again uh, just arbitrarily, you know, May 1st as opposed to May 7th, let's say, right? So uh, if they're going to play it, they're going to play it all out. But I think you bring up an interesting point about are fans going to be able to travel there, you know, whenever this is. 
I do find it interesting that that Turkey, the Turkish league, was actually playing through this weekend. And as far as I've read, they're going to continue to play out. I don't think they're stopping. Um, so theoretically, you could fill the stadium with all Turkish fans because they're continuing to play. It seems, and, and again, I, I could be wrong on this, it seems that they're not really on lockdown like a lot of other countries are uh, or it, that that's, it's going to get to. Um, so, so I think that's that's kind of a uh, a unique selling point right now to finish the Champions League is that where they want to have it, they're open. Where they want to play it, they could certainly fill the stadium. And so I'm sure UEFA is considering that. And again, when it comes down to it, I don't think they play behind closed doors. Whether that's neutral site or you know home and home, whatever, there's no way they're going to do that. Especially not, like you said, their showpiece event. This is the time they definitely want fans there. And I know it gets diluted anyways with the amount of politicians and dignitaries, but you still do have a large number of fans for each side that travel. And so I think UEFA, if they're going to play it, they're going to go all out. They're going to have fans regardless of their you know, traveling fans or only the, the fans in Turkey, but they're going to have an open stadium if they play it. Funny you should mention the Turkish League still being on. It just uh, magnifies the desperation of betting companies. So I got an email this morning and it said, we've got the best odds on Turkish football this weekend. And I thought, Jesus, <laughs> like, like, just absolute desperate to take your money. But, Cole, that leads into another point that so many football clubs in the UK and probably around Europe the world have strong links to betting companies, mostly with shirt sponsorship. Now, if people aren't betting, betting companies aren't getting their money. That means they can't really afford to sponsor football clubs. Woe and behold, that then sets off a big cycle of despair, doesn't it? So, again, all these sort of outside knock-on effects, that could be another one, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the financial situation and, and what the financial climate's going to be when all this is finished, I don't think anyone right now can kind of predict where we're, where we're going to end up. But as you say, most companies right now, this whole sort of like, you know, countries going and lockdown, bars and things like that are opening, as you say, no sport, nothing to bet on. The, the money that's going to be lost by lots of companies, as you say, is when you look at these betting companies, the amount of money they'll be losing there, you know, you could see there's going to be quite a few companies that go under from this. And then where does that leave those teams they're sponsoring? What happens going forward? As I say, the ramifications of what could happen here on a global scale, not just, you know, in the UK or anywhere. Um, I don't think anyone could actually truly tell you right now what's going to happen, but you certainly wouldn't be surprised to see some of these companies go under. And, you know, again, that throws everything all up in the air as to suddenly what you're going to do with your sponsorship and where that money was coming from. Because I think, you know, most Prem sides will be okay. But I think it's that as you start going further down the scale in these clubs, a lot of the, you know, a lot of these clubs could be at risk of going under because certainly the smaller league clubs, they don't want to even play behind closed doors because they rely on that revenue that comes from, from the average punter going in. So I think the financial knock-on effects, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting to see where we fall once this kind of, we come out of this cycle. And Drew, let's look at it from a fan's point of view. Cole sort of says probably quite rightly that Premier League clubs will be insulated enough. You know, they're awash with money. None of them are going to go to the wall. However, if you're a fan of a League One club, you know, we know Berry went to the wall earlier in the season, at the start of the season. If you're a fan of a League One club and you've got a season ticket, you're probably inclined or you're rightfully due some form of refund. However, if you take that refund, if everyone takes it en masse, that club, your beloved club, is going to have a financial shortfall. So it puts you in a bit of a bind. Do you take your money, which you'll rightfully deserve to have, or do you say to the club, look, just keep it. We need that because without it, we don't have a football club on the other side. So that's a quite a 
quite the dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it really is kind of a, a moral dilemma for each individual. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, you love your club, but you love your family. And depending on who it is, you know, do you need that extra, you know, 50 or 80 pounds back? You know, I, I, it's a very, very difficult decision that I think a lot of fans are going to have to grapple with. Because like you mentioned, they want their club to survive. I mean... You know, I read articles all the time about like lower league clubs where, you know, fans, they volunteer and help paint the lines before matches. They help, you know, wash kits and everything. And they do it because they they love the club, even if it is, you know, fifth tier or lower or whatever it happens to be. So I do think that is a, a very difficult situation that that a lot of fans are, are going to be in. And, and honestly, I don't think either decision is wrong. If you ask for the refund because, you know, these are tough times and you need it for your family, I think that is 100% justifiable and good decision for you as an individual. If you want to leave the money to the club because you know they're going to need it, it's the same thing. It's it's up to every individual. It is a very difficult decision. And, and I don't think that either one is wrong. Either one makes you a bad person. I think you really do have to consider for yourself and and whether you can afford to help the club or not, because I think and, and as, as so many people have said right now, right, you know, family comes first, health comes first. And so I think of a fan or sorry, I think as a fan of a lower league club, if you ask for a refund, I don't think you're doing the wrong thing. I think you're perfectly justified in doing that. I mean, Carl, as a Tottenham fan, I think it's going to be quite fun for any Spurs fan trying to get money out of Daniel <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, good good luck with that. I think <laughs> blood and blood and stone comes to mind, doesn't it? I mean, he's I, probably got a team of lawyers on there right now. Yeah, I mean, I got an email yesterday about the season ticket window being pushed back, which is unsurprising. But I mean, I don't know if I, if I can even afford to renew it now because I'm self-employed, and it's just like. Wait, qu question for you, if you don't mind, real yeah. quick. Uh, in terms of of returning season tickets and getting money back, is Daniel Levy going to charge you for the stamp? To send it in the post to you? Oh, you don't know, do you? I mean, it should he be charge you for the envelope. Yeah, too, from... <laughs> let alone the yeah. That's, the I feel. I feel like he might. I feel like he would charge you the shipping for the return. But let's um, <laughs> let's stay on the theme of Spurs actually, because I've got a couple of hypotheticals. So in this current season, obviously managers have been sacked. Now, if this season becomes voided, you'd be a bit miffed if you were someone like Richo Pochettino because you've been sacked, but you haven't really gone backwards as a club technically. Obviously, he's not going to be reinstalled, but that's quite galling at the same time, isn't it? You'd have to feel you'd, you'd probably feel, wouldn't you? Like you know, do, do, does that mean I get my job back? Do we all <laughs> go back twelve months? And am I reinstated to give it another crack? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it would it would go down as one of the most bizarre bizarre seasons already, wasn't it? Because it's like, well, what happened? You got sacked. Yeah, what'd you get sacked for? Well, we didn't have a good season. What season is that? Oh, it, it's not in the history books anymore. Um, you know, it, it doesn't exist that season. All oh, right, so you didn't do too bad then, in theory. So it, those, as you say, those managers that have been given the boot could be sitting there right now, can they? Thinking, oh, see, your club hasn't gone backwards under my under my reign what are you talking about it's a it's a real interesting thought that one but with that pause there's going to be something of a state of flux and also make there are say an arms race to get to the end of the season and because of that drew has this pause come at the perfect time for Tottenham when you consider the litany of players that are out injured but due to return in the next month or two that could be the just the joke of all jokers, the absolute shot in the arm. Obviously, the circumstances are dreadful, but this could be, if the season does get to a conclusion, something that just gives Tottenham that faint chance of a European finish. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, up front, bringing back Harry Kane and uh, Son and, and even Bergwijn, yeah, I mean, this would be a huge, you know, shot of adrenaline into Spurs, especially their attack, if they get all those guys back come June or, or July. And then, of course, you're going to have the other questions is, you know, Chelsea and Arsenal, anyone battling for top four, are they going to say that's not fair because they shouldn't have been there in the first place? So, of course, you're going to have that argument. Um, but just sticking to Spurs, attack-wise, it would be a great boost. But defensively, Spurs have struggled, you know, under Poch and, and Mourinho. And so on that front, if they continue to, you know, to be leaky and let goals in, then I, I don't know how much it really helps them. So, I mean, I you, you see both points of it, especially if they're not training. They are, but they're not playing games for the next month or longer. Everyone is losing match fitness and sharpness, of course. But at Spurs, with a defense that was already struggling, you know, this time off may hurt them even more as well. So, I mean, I think, honestly, it can go either way. But definitely, the the boost in attack would be huge for Spurs going into the final stretch of the season. And, Carl, final question to you. Obviously, Manchester City, they are in a bit of a bind in terms of European qualification, whether they're going to be <laughs> allowed. But what happens here? You know, if the season gets delayed, does the ban get pushed back? Does the... If the season gets voided, does it get scrapped completely? I mean, what on earth happens to Manchester City? And Drew, feel free to add to that point as well. So, Cole, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I, I think this will be a real interesting one. Does I, I think they'll go at, you know, I could see them possibly going ahead and, and deciding what they want to do with that one. Um, but like, as you say, I, I think they'll make a call once they know what's going on with the season. And then, you know, if everything resumes as it should do and we play out, then, you know, I think they can sit there happily and say, well, OK, we're as we were, so everything stands as it is. If the season is voided, then I think we enter, uh, uh, you know, a massive new territory where it's like, well, hold on, do we now push this back? Because City could moment, well, hold on, we never got to play our full season in that competition, see it out, we could have won it, and now we're banned. So I, I think everything will depend on seasons being played out. If we finish this season up, um, then I think, you know, if the ban is upheld and kicked in, it will start from next season. I think if you're City, you have to hope that the season gets played out and gets delayed because if they just cancel the season now and either accept the results or null and void either way, um, they're not going to have their ban heard by the Court of Arbitration for Sport for a very long time because they're closed now. So they have a backlog of of cases as well. So if they scrap everything now and start the new season, right, 2020-21 in August like scheduled, then Manchester City, their case wouldn't have been heard by Cass and they're not going to be in the Champions League yet. So I think for them, you have to hope and you have to pray and do everything in your power to have the season conclude whenever that is because then that delays the next seasons, which is where they would be banned from Europe. Uh, but hopefully their court or their case will go to cast before that. So if you're City, you really got to hope this season plays out no matter how long it takes. Right. So we don't know when that season's going to end, but hopefully, you know, we'll have some football to talk about sometime soon. So thank you for listening this week. I think for the next few weeks, we're just going to throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks. So we're probably going to change formats, some topical sort of issues or just different kind of topics, shall I say. And then, yeah, we'll just sort of muddle our way through. Because I think a lot of podcasts are going to be muddling their way through. And more importantly, I think we need football podcasts just to keep us going. I know there's no football, but we've all got opinions. So just, you know, if we all bind together, we should just get through this. So uh, more importantly, I need to thank you two for helping me out this week. It's really, really crucial. So, Drew, thanks as always, mate. 
Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I'm glad that we're continuing the show, and I hope that listeners at home or in your car, wherever you are, <laughs> I hope you guys are staying positive, staying healthy, staying safe. And uh, thank you for continuing to listen to the pod every week and uh, being here to enjoy uh, us talking football. Fantastic. And Cole, also, pleasure to you, mate, and thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah, cheers, Dan, and just echo what Drew says, you know, stay safe and, and keep listening because it might be listening to us at least gives you something to kind of get irate about or agree with each week. So, yeah, cheers, Dan. Not a problem. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy and this is The Real Football Cast. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.